The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the second half of the Patricia Raskin Show, which is how we renamed it. I'm Patricia Raskin. My website is patriciaraskin.com, and my email is patricia at patriciaraskin.com. We are talking now to Maggie Lamond Simone. Her book is Body Punishment, OCD, Addiction, and Finding the Courage to Heal. And it's, it's quite a book, and Maggie Lamond Simone is an award-winning columnist and author. Her first column anthology, From Beer to Maternity, was released in November of 2009. Her recipes are included in, in Chicken Soup for the Soul editions and in many others. She has a black belt in karate, a master's degree from the Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse, and she has a great book, Body Punishment, which is a profoundly heartbreaking yet inspiring story of a professionally successful woman and her recovery from destructive, obsessive-compulsive disorder behaviors. Welcome, Maggie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that's pretty brave and courageous of you to say, I have OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, and I want to write about it. Yeah, kids, kids have a way of making me honest. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my daughter you... was diagnosed with OCD a few years back, and that really kind of put me in a position of being able to model authenticity or teach her how to hide like I did all those years and she helped me make the right choice so yeah which is great why do you think there's such a shame-based attitude attached to obsessive compulsive disorder issues uh I think a lot of it is is simply lack of knowledge um when I was a kid the things that I did my particular compulsions which um, for the most part, have been um, classified under the umbrella of OCD, but they're called impulse control disorders. Um, they can be debilitating. They can be disfiguring. They can be embarrassing if you can't not do them in front of people. Um, there's a, I think there's a certain shame associated with not being able to stop doing something that you want to stop doing. It's kind of uh, an ongoing sense of failure. <laughs> and Man. when you're a kid going through that, living in a generation that doesn't discuss those things or d- doesn't understand them so they don't discuss them, um, it really can lead you to just believe that there is something fundamentally wrong with you. Some of the examples of OCD, sometimes it's more subtle than others. Well, just give us some examples. 
Uh, well, my daughter's uh, manifested initially in, for instance, she had to go over a threshold a certain way. She had to hop back and forth three times, which at first, at you know, eight or nine years old, was was kind of endearing in a way. Mm. Um, but then she did it at the top of an escalator one day at a shopping mall, and oh I was in front of her because I always got on first in case they fell. Mm. The gentleman behind her didn't realize she had her her routine, and she stepped over and he stepped behind her and pushed her down the escalator because she stepped back <laughs> and he was stepping forward, and grabbed her so that she didn't get hurt but you know something like that is it's more of a a, probably a classic symptom not being able to step on cracks um you know routines about opening doors having to count how many times you turn your doorknob or turn your locks i think those are ones that people see demonstrated on television shows or um, movies you know monk Adrian Monk in the series had a um, germ. He was a germaphobe, which is another one of my daughter's issues. Mm-hmm. So there are some classic ones: organization, um, hoarding. Now falls under obsessive compulsive. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's, it's what about the, it's what the about umbrella. washing your hands all the time or you know, yeah, being that's the, that's the germaphobe. Um, yeah, it yeah. can be very disruptive and it can be very damaging to your skin. And oh. you know, if you're a kid who's got to oh. do that, and you're in a structured program like an elementary school or a middle school, you don't have the opportunity to wash every time you feel the compulsion to wash. You know, it becomes debilitating. It, it becomes interfering with your life, interfering with your classwork. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. you want to stop and can't. And that, that is just devastating on a self-esteem. Why is it so common for people with OCD to have addiction issues? Um, you know what, Patricia? I don't know if there is an actual scientific connection that's been proven there, but in my experience and the experience of a lot of people that I've spoken to, groups I've spoken with, kids that I've spoken with, a, a lot of it stems from just wanting to hide self-medicate, stop feeling that self-loathing, the self-anger, the, that pain of not being normal. Um, it's, it's easy to want to hide from it, and drugs mm. and alcohol are a very accessible way to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, so what you're saying is you can kind of hide behind the addiction with this kind of obsessive behavior Compulsive behavior. Yeah, and you can when you're when in my case I was a I was a drinker and when I was hammered when I was drunk I didn't have to think about being as freakish as I felt when I was sober and when mm-hmm. I wasn't drunk typically I was hungover so I didn't have to mm-hmm. think about being a freak and you know it was just a really good way to escape from my sense of self which at the time was was not a good sense of self, wasn't a good place to be. And drinking was a really good way to to escape that. Mm. So, and again, it can be drinking, it can be any kind of, any kind of addiction. And it could be any kind of mental illness. It doesn't have to be OCD. I think people with schizophrenia, I think people with bipolar disorder, any kind of mental illness that you are hiding and trying to fight by yourself and live with by yourself I think if there's an opportunity to escape, it's very easy to talk yourself into taking it. Hmm. 
What would you do if you were the parent of a child exhibiting OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder tendencies? Um, it's interesting because I, I am that parent, and it still took me years to recognize it. Um, my daughter's probably had OCD since birth in certain forms. She couldn't. She had a tactile issue where she couldn't have seams touching her body, seams on socks, mm. seams on shirts, seams on pants. Mm. Um, she couldn't be touched, and unfortunately, when she was a child, she she was born with a fractured collarbone. She got her first teeth at two and a half months old. I fell on her and broke her leg at six months old. She had many reasons to cry, and what do you do with a crying baby but try to hold them and cuddle them and mm. reassure them, and she doesn't like being touched. So for those first couple of years until she could express that, I was essentially torturing her by trying to wow. hold her and cuddle her and tell her everything would be all right. She just couldn't get away fast enough. How did you How did you solve that, if you will? Well, it was very challenging because for the first literally four or five years of her life when she couldn't define what she needed and I couldn't define and categorize what was wrong with her, but I had a, a son before her who was a very typical kid, happy kid, issue-free kid, and then I had one who had so many, so many challenges and cried and cried and cried for years. Um, There were times when I wondered if she was on the autism spectrum, um, just because some of her reactions would be so out out of the ordinary and, you know, just disproportionate to an event. And then finally, one day, she developed a, a fear that I would die if she wasn't standing with me. Oh. And that made us actually get into therapy because it affected her being able to go to school. And the therapist, after the first session, said, I, I, I can tell you what's going on here. I can tell you there are ways to manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you there is no cure. But as, mm. the sooner she realizes what she has and how to manage it, the sooner her life will will develop a sense of typicalness that will be easier for her to live with. And um, and that's what we did. We found a good therapist who has worked with her on and off now for five years. When she develops a new compulsion, she'll just say, Mom, can you make an appointment? And now she is just a typical kid with, Wonderful. with I an think issue that she manages. What I'd like to do when we come back from break, Maggie, is I'd like to talk about what the therapist has done, you know, what are the steps that you take in therapy? How do you help a child or an adult um, reduce or eliminate these kinds of behaviors that have been part of them for so long? Sure. So, uh, yes, I'd really like to talk about that. Before we do, how can people get your book, Body Punishment? Um, well, right now it's still, I think, probably at most bookstores. It just came out in April. Um, Barnes & Nobles and online bookstores. It's also on Amazon. Um, it's on the Nook and it's on the Kindle. So basically, pretty much any of the bookstores online and, and brick and mortar. Okay, terrific. All right, again, the book is Body Punishment. Going to take a break, and when we come back, we're with Maggie Lamond Simone. And she's the author of the book, Body Punishment. OCD Addiction and Finding the Courage to Heal. And it's an inspiring story and heartbreaking story of Maggie, a professional successful woman, and her recovery 
from destructive, obsessive, compulsive disorder behaviors. Stay tuned, folks. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health. All kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome back to The Patricia Raskin Show. We've just kind of rebranded the name. And we're right here on Voice America, America's Voice. My guest is Maggie Lamone Simone. And she is the author of a new book, and it's called Body Punishment. The subtitle is OCD, Addiction, and Finding the Courage to Heal. And it's very much about her own process of destructive obsessive compulsive disorder and how it, you know, has been in her family and how she has worked with it. Welcome back, Maggie. Thank you. All right. Something you said to me during the break I thought was worth really going over here, and that is you said the word recovery is a word that you'd rather not use because it's something that you learn to live with. You don't really recover. I I think it's important that people make that distinction that, that in many cases, I mean, a lot of OCD symptoms and compulsions can be managed to the point of disappearing, um, but many can't. And I, at, at least at this writing, there's no real cure for OCD. There's no cure necessarily for, you know, addiction, except for not doing that thing that you're addicted to. And it's, you know, there's so many gray areas about what causes these diseases. But my goal, I guess, for writing the book was to show people that even 
though you can't cure these things, you can live with them absolutely typical normal lives as long mm. as you've got a support system where you can say to someone, you know, I'm really struggling today. The same way someone with diabetes can say, you know, I, I need sugar, I need to test my blood. Someone with a mental illness should be able to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting iffy here, I need, I need to talk to someone and be able to do that without judgment, without fear of judgment. Yeah, so these are all things that you can live with and manage and, you know, just adapt to like you would adapt to having flat feet when you want to be a runner. You just, you make adaptations in your life to make these things work and mental illness hopefully someday will will have that same level of, ex- of acceptance. Mm. Talk about when your daughter goes for help with one of these behaviors how the therapist helps her get through it and move to the other side? Well, it depends on the behavior. For the, her, ver- her first behavior that was very debilitating where she was afraid to be without me, um, the therapist did, it's called exposure response treatment. And I would have, like, I would leave the room for two minutes and come back and then five minutes and come back. And over the course of a couple months, we worked up to me being able to leave the therapy room for the full hour and my daughter not having an anxiety attack while I was gone, just being able to distract Mm. herself. Um, So essentially they expose the child or the patient to the fear and show Mm. them repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly that that fear is not going to come true. Um, And so the Mm. exposure response treatment is very effective for many, many of the fears that OCD, um, people can have. Um, she recently started hanging with a group of girls, not hanging with girls, but be, her friends have started looking at boys. You know, they're in eighth grade, going to ninth grade, and a couple of her friends have boyfriends and are holding hands. And I had asked my daughter if she had held hands with a boy yet, and she kind of held up her hand and shook it for me and said, Mom, what am I going to do? Meaning, you know, I, I, I can't do the germs. So we went back mm. to her therapist to work on her the, the germs. Now, how did, how did he handle or she handle that one? Well, she started with backing off the number of times a day that my daughter used a hand sanitizer. So just basically went through the list of times when my, my daughter would use a hand sanitizer. Um, when she got off the bus, when she got into her classroom, after she went through a book, I mean, easily 30 times a day. So the therapist said, all right, now we're going we're gonna to work to eliminate every other time over the course of a couple weeks. So she's down to 15 times a day using a hand sanitizer, 10 times a day, five times a day, so that she is losing her fear of the germs. So it's, it's really, it's mental and behavioral working on these fears um, so that they become manageable so that the, the child or the adult's logic can win, you know, get past that hiccup yeah. in the brain yeah, that's very gets stuck. Interesting. So, and how, how does she have your daughter monitor that? Does she, it's like on the honor system where she says, okay, today I only use the hand sanitizer five times instead of ten times. Yeah, she keeps a journal she keep track. and she is very... She's very regimented with her journal because she wants to get better. She wants to hold hands. She wants to do what her friends can do. Right. So right. She, she's been very 
And she trusts her therapist. It's really important to find a therapist you trust, and that may not be the first one or the second one. Mm -hmm. But once that child finds a therapist that they are completely open with and and trusting of, they'll, they'll work with them. Do you think schools and teachers have enough information about OCD to help students struggling with this condition? I think they want to. Um, Our school, I don't think, had, I think our psychologist did, and she got involved right off the bat with my daughter. My daughter's teacher was brought up to speed and became very helpful. Um, I don't know that any of her other teachers have had the resources coming in, but they have all been very, very um, helpful when they've been told about the situation. So they'll learn on their own. They'll go to the meetings with the school psychologist and find out what is the right thing to do because, you know, there are right ways and wrong ways. You shouldn't keep reassuring, for instance, um, mm-hmm. for a child who's afraid of thunderstorms. You Reassuring them over and over again actually perpetuates the fear. So there's, Interesting. there's certain things they, they should know. Mm. I don't know that... They do know because at this point, I don't know that teachers are schooled in the the realms of mental illnesses for kids, Um, especially mental illnesses that are people live with day to day that don't need one on one aids, don't need one on one therapy. You know, the ones that people just live with aren't necessarily talked about at the grade school level yet. Yeah, how how do you think that we think? that if we communicate and we have information, how can this help us change how we think about mental issues? I, I was sitting with uh, some girls, my daughter and a few of her friends and a couple of the moms several months ago and talking about it was when my book was first coming out. And one of the girls was unfamiliar with it. She was a new, new girl in the group. And my daughter's friends were telling her about it and talking about some of Sophie's obsessive-compulsive disorders, her routines and that kind of thing. And this other young girl looked at me at one point and said, have you ever heard of TTM? And I said, yes, trichotillomania. Um, it's what I have. It's one of the things that I have. And she started, she broke down and started crying. And she said, I've had it for a year. My mom takes me to a therapist, but they don't know if it's helping, and my mom doesn't know what to do about it, and nobody understands that I've told, so I can't tell anybody. And so here's this 14-year-old girl who, for the first time in her life, felt validated. I met her mother mm-hmm. the next day, and her mother said that, she said, you did more for her in one night than therapy's done in a year just by being someone who can talk to her about it and say, yes, I get this. A, nor- you know, a quote, normal person, successful person, typical person, you know, a mom, a wife, three, pet, three cats, you know, a dog who lives with this. And that's what people, I want people to understand about mental illness. It's just something we have. It's not contagious. It's not, it doesn't make us bad people. It doesn't make us weak people. Any more than having cancer or diabetes or flat feet or a fear of the dark makes any other person any of those things. Mm. And the more people can talk about it and just say, yes, I pluck out my own eyebrows. It's really a pain. You know, I had a stressful week last week. They're all gone. And now... You know, my family and I can do so, that. It's very liberating. 
So what you're saying is identifying and naming, you know, an OCD condition, an obsessive compulsive disorder condition can help a person and can even reverse the stigma. Absolutely. Because the stigma is not in the illness. The stigma is in the feeling that you have to hide it. Right, right. Maggie, this has been quite an interview. How can people get the book, Body Punishment, OCD, Addiction, and Finding the Courage to Heal? Uh, Barnes & Noble, the stores have it. It's online. It's on Amazon. Um, I was going to say, I think I even have it through my website, but I don't. (laughs) And the website website is? Uh, MaggieLamontSimone.com. Okay. L-E-M-O-N-D, Simone.com. Maggie, thanks so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me. Yeah, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that ends this edition for this week of Patricia Raskin, The Patricia Raskin Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Music.